for joining us for another Carlton Fields podcast. It seems everyone today is talking about blockchain and cryptocurrencies. For many, the concept of blockchain is a difficult one to wrap their heads around. Today, we're going to dive into this topic with the help of some lawyers who really understand blockchain inside and out. You're going to hear from David Adams, Matt Cohen, and Justin Wales, three of our Carlton Fields fintech lawyers who consult on these exciting emerging technologies. Welcome, everyone. Well, thank you, Christina. This is a podcast in our series on the business and legal issues in financial technology or fintech. Today, the leaders of the firm's Financial Technologies Task Force are here to talk about the concept of blockchain. Throughout this podcast, I want to discuss what actually is blockchain, when was it created, and why is it important, and why blockchain is so important for cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other cryptocurrencies. Today, we're joined by two people who are without a doubt the most experienced blockchain and cryptocurrency lawyers I've ever met. Justin Wales, and Matthew Cohen. Matt, Justin, and I, as I mentioned earlier, work in the firm's FinTech Task Force, and they both have an impressive understanding of these potentially transformational technologies. I thought it would be great to talk to the two of them about the work that they are doing in this emerging area of the law and what it means for the future of FinTech. So welcome. Hi. Hi. Thank you. Happy to be here. Matt and Justin, let's take a moment and Tell us a little bit about your experience in the uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency space. Matt, let's start with you. Great. So, sure. Again, my name is Matt Cohen. I'm an attorney here at Carlton Fields. Uh, I've been interested, according to some, obsessed, according to others, with blockchain technology and cryptocurrency for quite some time. Um, I was uh, an early Bitcoin adopter out of nothing more than curiosity, Um, have followed the developments of this technology, I've seen the way that it's grown, that it's in some cases contracted. I've enjoyed watching the various controversies, for better or for worse, and how they've played out. And I think that the the promise of blockchain technology and cryptocurrency is is a more open and inclusive society, and I think it offers very interesting use cases for businesses. So it's it's been a, a passion of mine for some time. I've had the good fortune of working with people like David and Justin on a lot of interesting projects on the legal end and I hope to continue doing so. Yeah, and uh, my name is Justin Wales. I became interested in uh, Bitcoin and and some other blockchain technologies through my work with uh, civic activists and civic uh, hackers, specifically through uh, Code for America and Code for Miami. That sort of led me to a a deep dive within the blockchain community. And I spent a lot of my day explaining to people within the blockchain community some of the legal uh, aspects that they need to know in order to operate their businesses legally, and a lot of time spent with people outside of the blockchain community explaining to them how this technology may disrupt their business. That's great. Thanks so much, guys. As we've discussed, Matt, since the cryptocurrencies run on a blockchain technology, and the blockchain is really foundational for anyone in this area, um, since this is an introductory podcast, why don't you tell us exactly what a blockchain is and when it was created and how it is used in cryptocurrencies? <laughs> that's that's a big question to start out, but uh, you're the right guy for the job. Yeah, sure. Uh, as opposed to trying to identify or pin down a, an exact definition of blockchain, I, I'm not sure that the, the industry has, has really reached a consensus on that point to make a, a poor play on words. I think it's important to to identify some of the key features 
which often helps develop an understanding of, of what the promise of this, this tech is and how it, it might affect things today and might, might affect things going into the future. So uh, many folks think of a blockchain as a distributed ledger of sorts, a distributed database. It has two key qualities that, in my mind, I think make it interesting and potentially transformative. The, the first being its secure nature. It, uh, at least if, if we're using Bitcoin as an example, the security of the blockchain is that it's, it's backed not by trust of one central thing or one person or one authority, but it's backed by the trust in mathematics, in public-private key cryptography. And what this allows you to do is verify that things are what people represent them to be. For example, the double spend problem is one of the, the easiest examples. If I want to send somebody one Bitcoin uh, through the power of math, the blockchain and the protocol can ensure that I actually have one Bitcoin to spend. So, so the, secure, the security aspect is, is very interesting. So building off that, there's also this reliability that comes with a blockchain because of the fact that it's distributed. It's in a lot of ways, a peer-to-peer -peer network. There's no one central point of failure. This allows for a lot of very interesting applications that we'll get into later, but, but most critically, I think when you combine the two, you have this recipe that allows you to eliminate the need to trust. And to me, that's what I find to be the, one of the, the most interesting parts of blockchain technology, particularly as, as it's been applied to cryptocurrency, in that there's no need in a lot of instances for a central authority. If you want to you use a, a blockchain-based cryptocurrency to transact monetarily, we don't need to trust a bank or a regulator to ensure that the, the money supply is, is accurate or uh, has integrity. To the extent you want to look at more advanced applications like smart contracts and escrow arrangements, you're not, you don't necessarily need to trust the third-party fiduciary as we do in a lot of instances today. And this trustlessness that the blockchain gives us really all comes from the fact that it's, it's backed not by any authority or one single thing, but it's decentralized and through the power of very complex mathematics and some really artful computer code, we're able to enjoy a, a system that in, in some respects is a little bit more open and, and accessible than some of the institutions that we have today. Thanks so much. So those of us who operate in the fintech area have been particularly focused on some of the ransomware attacks that happened uh, as recently as uh, yesterday, the day prior to the recording of this podcast. But my question and the question that clients always ask in the fintech area in particular is, so why should I care? Sorry to be so blunt, but why is this an important emerging technology? It's an important emerging technology because of, of its potential application. We're still very much in the infancy of both blockchain and, and its current application, if you will, which is cryptocurrency. But things have really expanded in quite a short time from simply transferring value or storing value to doing things like administrating trustless smart contracts. So the, the reason that we need to care, we need to pay attention, is because the blockchain could, and some people think it will, change things just like the Internet changed things. It can offer a lot of folks who don't have access to traditional banking infrastructure to bank. It can offer people who don't have access to other means of participating in society to participate, and we've seen things like the, the United Nations run a blockchain pilot, uh, which I believe was, was geared towards identity for those societies that don't have uh, a really easy way of, of identifying their people and, and administrating things in that regard. So blockchain, it's untested, it's unproven, it's still very much new, 
but many folks, including myself, think there are some very exciting applications, particularly in the sense that we can eliminate some of the old friction and pain points that we have in today's current society, today's current business marketplace. And it would be unbelievable to me if we don't, uh, if we don't find that many of today's largest industries are disrupted or at least profoundly affected by the continued advancement of blockchain technology. And you're, you're starting to see certainly big industries and, and major players put significant amount of money into exploring how they could utilize blockchain technologies um, themselves. One of the things that's so interesting about being a part of this new technology is that the applications of the blockchain are, are still being worked out in people's houses and garages. It's unclear what the ramifications will be five, ten years from now. I, I sort of like to think of it like, you know, someone invented rebar, and now we're waiting to see what they're going to build, what kind of structures they're going to build. The applications that exist right now are, are pretty rudimentary compared to what I think we're headed for in the next five, ten years. It's like the Internet in 1994. That's a great analogy. So, of course, all of us being uh, various types of uh, financial and or regulatory lawyers, who, who regulates all of this? Who regulates all of these currencies if they're outside of banks and governments? Or are they? Uh, that's a, a great question, and that's one that not only the, the legal community has been struggling with, but also governments and folks who operate in the marketplace. It's, uh, again, an open question, and and there's no one easy answer, but there's a handful of, uh, I'll call them guideposts, that folks who are interested in this technology, interested in, in getting into to businesses or cooperating with businesses who adopt this technology, should be aware of. And the, the first guidepost is, is to identify what exactly is being done with the blockchain or with cryptocurrency. In the United States, we've got a whole host of different regulatory bodies and laws and rules and regulations that one might have to comply with. So, for example, if you are a team behind the development of a cryptocurrency, you have a, a much different set of regulatory concerns than someone like a service provider, such as an exchange, right? But at, at, at the, the highest level, the federal government, the Commodities Futures Trading Commission, CFTC, has issued some guidance indicating that at least Bitcoin and probably other cryptocurrencies is a commodity, and it's regulated as such. So to the extent you or your business is going to be touching this stuff, you should be aware of, of the most recent guidance. The IRS, too, has said, you know, it's treated as property. But so as opposed to something uh, more akin to a currency, Bitcoin is taxed like a little bit more similarly to gold, right? So in, in some cases, you've got this, fed, this U.S. federal government with these, these differing approaches to how the, the technology, and in this case, the cryptocurrency, is treated. Now, depending on what you're doing, as I mentioned earlier, for example... Recently, we've seen a lot of these ICOs, or initial coin offerings. And what that is essentially tokenizing some aspect of your company. And in a lot of cases, these tokens look a lot like shares of stock. They look like equity. And to the extent you're talking about shares of stock, you're, you're talking about it very likely a security, which would mean the SEC is now going to be involved, and you have to be mindful of those regulations. And we've seen plenty of SEC interest and intervention in, in the lives of people and businesses who touch this stuff. Separately from that, you've got state-based regulatory schemes. Some states have uh, very robust money transmission and, and money, money services businesses regulations. Some require licensure for various types of activity. Some 
regulatory schemes expressly mention cryptocurrency and other blockchain-based type applications. Some do not. So depending on what state you're operating in, you may have different rules to comply with. Of course, there are actually some states who have passed cryptocurrency-specific legislation. New York and the BitLicense is the, the prime example here, in that that state has specific rules for folks who, uh, depending on what you're doing, uh, you'll have to comply with to the extent you want to you wanna utilize this technology and these cryptocurrencies in a, in a certain way. So it's, it's difficult to say exactly who regulates everybody in a vacuum, but to the extent that you, you are touching this stuff, you're interested in developing on the technology, and you, you plan to interface with others in the marketplace, it is imperative that you as a business owner or as a developer or, or as, as just someone who is interested remains on top of this ever-changing landscape and, and is able to adapt to the extent things change. Thanks, Matt. Let's turn a little bit to some of the software that runs on the various blockchains. Justin, following the theme of blockchain, tell us about some of the various cryptocurrencies. Obviously, Bitcoin is the most well-known that actually run on various blockchains. Sure. Well, there there are well over 100. I mean, the list of, of tokens grows every day, partly because Right now, we have a, an environment where it's so easy to raise money through uh, what Matt was referring to, ICOs, initial coin offerings, that you're seeing uh, tokens pop up every couple of minutes, basically. So there are a number of different types of tokens. There are, are those whose only purported utility is to store and transfer value. There are others that are used as um, gas, for lack of a better word, for an underlying blockchain application. Um, one of the things that's sort of interesting and, and, and latches on to the last question is that because each token has a different utility, it likely should change how the uh, regulatory bodies regulate each token. But instead, what you're finding is that these bodies, SEC and, and IRS, they're all treating uh, cryptocurrencies basically as one and the same with each other but different than every other regulatory agency. And I think what you're going to start to find is that as the regulators become more sophisticated, as the technology becomes more ubiquitous, you're going to be seeing different tokens um, treated differently depending on what the underlying utility is. And, you know, you talked about some of the uh, the history of the various cryptocurrencies. Um, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and others have been in the news a lot recently uh, because of the... Uh, large swings in value. And that's actually been one of the uh, defining characteristics of uh, many cryptocurrencies. And so despite that history, Justin, do you think that there's a place for Bitcoin and cryptocurrency? And if so, what what will that place be in an established legal practice? So I guess what, what do clients need to know about using the various types of cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, that are out there right now? Well, I think there's a few things to, to know. For, for Bitcoin, the promise really is that it's the ability of creating a worldwide decentralized currency, not connected to any government or, or central authority. That's pretty revolutionary for most of the world that is um, underbanked or, or unbanked, that doesn't have the same stability that we in the United States have for their money. So imagine someone in um, Venezuela where the price of the Venezuelan Bolivar is dropping every day. It doesn't make any sense to hold 
Venezuelan bolivars. So uh, what you're seeing is um, businesses pop up in, in Latin America where they exchange bolivars to Bitcoin. People hold their, their uh, assets in Bitcoin, and then when they need to pay, they transfer them back so they're not losing value. That's sort of a different value proposition than what a lot of these blockchain companies that are popping up um, offer, which are really, at this point, I think, sort of fancy databases that don't actually work as efficiently as a lot of databases. Uh, Matt might have some, some more thoughts on, on this, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I don't think that we've seen the true application of what a blockchain can be. And to me, the most interesting blockchain companies that are, are, are popping up are ones that offer maybe blockchain as, as a service, although there are some philosophical issues with that potentially as well. I think what clients and, and, and people in, in business need to realize is that the, the door is sort of being blown wide open on how you store and transfer and think about data and information and how you enter into agreements with other people. And what smart contracts and what blockchain technology does, I think, is it allows you to scale, I guess, trustability or, or maybe lack of trustability in a way that will change how we interact with each other. One, one application that I think is pretty interesting is the ability of conducting machine-to-machine transactions through the blockchain. So as the Internet of all things starts to become more and more ubiquitous, you're going to be seeing you know, automated cars conducting microtransactions for parking spots on the blockchain. And, and this will drastically change how we deal with communication and also some liability issues that I think are going to pop up that, uh, you know, are right out of science fiction at this point. I agree wholeheartedly with, uh, with just about all of that. And I would even, I would just take it a, a step back and just, just note that you aptly call it science fiction. And, and in a lot of ways, that's what it seems like. But as far as today's legal practice and today's businesses that are operating this marketplace, there are some immediate concerns that, that are really turning a lot of the ways that we have thought previously on their head. And, and the one example that I would give is how, how a blockchain works and, and how the different stakeholders interact in the sense that previously we've had this notion of, of these controlling bodies and these institutions that are in charge of things, whereas on a blockchain, you've got, in one sense, you've got these protocol developers, right, who are stewards of updating the, the actual blockchain itself, if you will, the, the code that runs it. You've got, in, in many cases, or at least in the case of Bitcoin, You've got node operators who are folks who are basically lending their hard drive and processing power and, and, and bandwidth for the good of the network to, to serve a, a very important function. You've got miners who, in their own right, the system couldn't operate without, but they have maybe a, a different set of incentives than the node operators or in, in today's environment than the, the, the main protocol developers in a lot of cases. And this all changes how we think of, of the law uh, pretty much on its head, right? Because uh, there's, no one, there's no one place to look to for uh, a right and wrong, and there's, 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 no, there's not necessarily aligned interests in, in the case that you might be cooperating with someone without even knowing it, because it's kind of taking place in this, this architecture that's being laid, this foundation of a new way to, to store information, to transact with one another, and, and to, to otherwise interact in society. So from a, a legal perspective, the most interesting thing to me 
I think, and until obviously we get we get to the point where we've got some really fascinating mass adopted applications here, is how the innovators are affected by this entirely new, almost alien concept that really doesn't fit well in today's existing legal regimes. But I, I think that's really important, and you guys, as uh, as I know, are so active in the startup and in the cryptocurrency and blockchain markets. But you know, I, I have also seen um, you know large consortia forming to address some of these issues, like the blockchain insurance industry initiative that goes by B3I, the um, blockchain consortium R3, which includes um, you know some of the largest financial institutions both in the United States and around the world, investing a hundred million dollars in this technology, and the uh, enterprise uh, Ethereum alliance. I think has over 100 members now, uh, including some uh, Fortune 100 companies. So this is this is both something that's important to the startup community, the trading community that you guys are so active in, but also uh, in the uh, large business financial institution community. And everyone, just like you said, Matt, is trying to get their arms around what exactly this technology is going to do and how it could transform how we do business in the future. I guess the last question I have for each of you is um, what do you think the future has in this technology? And then, uh, Matt, will you touch on what's happening in the um, cryptocurrency space right now, uh, specifically with uh, with Bitcoin, to some of our listeners? Sure. I, I don't think we, we really have any idea what the potential is for this technology in, down the line. Uh, I think what's happening is that there are some extremely innovative people working on concepts that were completely alien 10 years ago. I, the future of the technology, I think if I had any ability to predict that, I would not be a lawyer anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what I, what, I, what I do find most exciting about it is the fact that it's very possibly laying this, this new foundational layer in the way that, that society interacts, whether that be citizens with their governments, patients with their health care data, cars with one another on the, on the roadway trying to get a, a parking spot, as, as Justin noted, or, or just the underbank engaging in, in commerce with one another. So I, I think that the, the exciting thing about the technology, what I see for the future, is, is probably the nuts and bolts of blockchain and how it's going to affect society still need to be fleshed out. We're going to have to just determine what blockchains are actually good for. Justin noted they're actually like they're they're a pretty poor database in a lot of circumstances. But at the same time, the the factor that in the sense that it's immutable and is is somewhat more reliable than a, a centralized server has some very real applications, right? So it, it's hard for me to say exactly what the future holds, but I, I will say that while the men and women of blockchain are today in the trenches trying to lay the foundation for what could be tomorrow's society, part of our job and part of what Justin and I spend so much time thinking about and doing all day is taking this innovation that doesn't really have a, there's not really a necessarily a good analogy oftentimes for, for what it is blockchain is or cryptocurrency is or what it does or what it should be. It's taking this new, this very avant-garde technology and mitigating the risk of how folks who want to use it and want to, want to build upon it can do so within today's legal and regulatory framework. And uh, that requires us to quarterback 
experts from all fields, from we need securities lawyers, we need commodities folks, there's got to be tax lawyers involved, there, we need to talk to folks who are knowledgeable about banking regulations. Uh, just about every aspect of law, to some degree, has been touched by blockchain and will continue to be. And the manner in which you, you massage this square peg into the round hole is going to be critical for, for one, ensuring that the technology continues to grow in, in a positive way that it can continue disrupting and helping people, uh, as opposed to uh, being held back either by incompatible laws or by regulators who maybe are, uh, are mistaken in the manner they're attempting to apply existing laws or other rules to today's innovators. And Justin, any final thoughts that, that you have about these two technologies? Uh, I think we're at an inflection point with the technology where large businesses and large industries and government regulators are aware that blockchain technology is coming and it's going to disrupt many industries. And our job, I think, is to work with those large industries and work with those regulators to make them understand that um, this technology is, is not so scary and can do uh, quite a lot of good for our economy and for society while at the same time working with people innovating in the blockchain space and uh, helping them interact with those regulatory agencies and uh, potential funders or, or partners in industry. Well, that's a, that's a great point that you, both of you made, and that's how this crosses over normal uh, legal business segmentation. I mean, just in this podcast, we've talked about our Latin American practice, our startup, our software, um, intellectual property practice, uh, financial services, banking regulation, and uh, the insurance industry, and how they're how they're all uh, ad adopting these new technologies. Thank you both for your time today to discuss uh, the concept of blockchain and cryptocurrencies. You've been listening to Carlton Fields podcast series with David Adams, Matt Cohen, and Justin Wales. This podcast is intended for general information and educational purposes only and should not be relied on as if it were advice about a particular fact situation. The distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and receipt of it does not constitute an attorney-client relationship with Carlton Fields. Thanks for listening.